Hey, Michael, can you grab my notebook real quick before you come out here to record? Michael? Wait, is it just me? Oh my gosh, I'm by myself. What? As you may be aware um, from the goofy intro in the beginning there, um, this week for the Bros and Consoles podcast, I am joined by nobody because, um, frankly, the the weekend has been pretty pretty busy for, for everybody. And I say everybody, meaning like myself and Michael, um, the only two people that do this podcast. Um, but uh, Michael is actually busy moving into his new apartment and kind of getting things set up there. So I know, I know, guys, it's crazy. It's the, the end of an era, as Michael put it earlier. Um, and I say earlier, um, it's really just him and me talking about this as we were moving his stuff around. But um, that means that this week, it's a little bit tough to actually get the kind of recording up. And I wanted to do this, or sorry, wanted to get the recording put up on, on in like a timely manner. Um, kind of been on a streak for I think about like six or seven weeks so far of having it on the actual weekend rather than like a Monday release or something. And didn't really want to kind of disrupt that flow there. So what you guys are going to be getting this weekend is a solo episode, an unintentional solo episode. Um, but let's not let's not worry too much about that. If you guys are here, then you know that this is the Bros and Consoles podcast coming to you each and every weekend, bringing you all the nerdy news, gaming deets, and oh, all that sweet, sweet nectar for video games. Um, and... This week, um, it's a little bit of a lighter week still. Um, funny enough, the summer months are always kind of the, I don't know, the, the quieter sections of like gaming releases and like news outlets and things like that um, in terms of video games, just because, um, actually, not really sure why. The Usually it's like after E3 hits, right, the um, Electronics Entertainment Expo. Um, in around like June or July, I believe. Um, I forget the dates already. But usually once that kind of hits, the news um, cycle around video games kind of slowly starts to slow down. And around like August time, which is like right now, um, it tends to be pretty slow. So not a whole lot of things, ooh, excuse me, not a whole lot of things happening. But it's not too bad, actually. Also, my apologies if my voice kind of sounds a little bit off. I am currently getting over a little bit of a like head cold kind of thing, so that must sound lovely for you guys. <laughs> but um, hopefully it's not too bad, and if I need to, there will be like pause breaks and things like that. But aside from those things, a um, little bit of housekeeping kind of stuff. Um, oh yeah, I wrote it down. We're on a six-week streak, so pretty good so far. Um, but corrections from last time. Um, realized that I was I, as I was talking about um, the kind of top three worst games kind of thing um, from last week's episode, the special episode. Um, I was mentioning the main character of Lollipop Chainsaw and kept calling her Claire. And in my head, I was like, "This this doesn't sound right," but we're gonna go with it because I'm too lazy to look up stuff on Google right now. And um, it was, I guess, kind of close. There's like three letters in, in Claire that are similar to the actual name. The actual name is Juliet, which is, is 
that that's that you know that's that's what it is but um i, I should have wrote down the last name it's it's a you can look it up on google guys um lollipop chainsaw pretty pretty um trashy game but fun in its own weird way story-wise though oh just just a garbage truck on fire um but that's that's the only correction i think that i had from the last episode in terms of housekeeping um don't forget you guys can find us on pretty much any podcasting service anywhere uh, as you probably are aware because you're listening to us right now but if you guys have like friends or loved ones that like video games send them our way you know to let them know that the bros and consoles podcast is openly accepting new listeners all the time um and if you guys want to reach out um you got your own questions comments or feedback we welcome those as well over on bros and consoles at gmail.com um that's our email or you can send uh i guess i was gonna say twitter love yeah that that works twitter love you can send twitter messages or um tweets as they're called um to indie ronin or it's at indie ronin um, i-n-d-i-e-r-o-n-i-n in case my voice is making it hard to hear what i'm saying um and michael also has instagram so you can send him messages and things over at the world of mike and i believe there's a period in between each word there so don't forget about those periods guys they're important and it's also important that we get this show started right and that is with segment one what are you playing now since it's only going to be um one person doing these things it's probably going to go a lot quicker than normal um but you guys know me my my list of what i'm playing is usually kind of long so that takes up a lot of time anyways so we're going to go ahead and go straight in order here um the first one that i got to play um it was like roughly a two week kind of thing i know it's kind of um peeking behind the curtain for you guys a little bit but as you know, the special episode was recorded before the weekend and so thus had a larger period of time to play some video games, which is nice in its own way. But things were also pretty busy, so not a whole lot of video games were played. Um, and I say that, but my list is actually still several games long, so let's just go ahead and dive into it. The first one that I got to play was a game called Star Fox 64 3DS. And actually, I'm trying to remember if it's 3D or 3DS in the last part of the title anyways the game though is Star Fox 64 and it's on the 3ds itself um i have a 2ds xl um the nintendo 2ds and started playing uh several games on there but it's really kind of diving into games that i've played in the past so far i've played uh in the past was it a few weeks played a little bit of the ocarina of time and was kind of slowly going through parts there just kind of real real nostalgia trip and this this time though got to play some of Star Fox 64 which is another game that I played on the as you guys guessed it probably the Nintendo 64 back in the day and this one a very definitely an old game by now but still very fun game uh, it's a arcadey kind of shooter you just control a what they call an R-wing it's a spaceship and fly around on it's like a on-rails shooter kind of thing so you're you're on one specific path and you are just kind of maneuvering as the world kind of passes you by shooting down enemies and kind of avoiding obstacles and things like that Uh, it's been a long time since i played this game so i had to quickly relearn the controls and everything which is nice that they had a training um what should we call it training module in the very beginning that you could go through so i i took partook in that to kind of get everything 
settled again, get my bearings again in the game. And still not quite, I believe, as like proficient as I used to be in the game, just because it's been years at this point since I've last played it. But still a lot of fun. Very um, arcadey kind of feel. So it's not not anything crazy in terms of the kind of newer games that are out, but a lot of fun to just kind of jump back into. And I've, I've heard that people that um, I'm aware of play... That's a weird sentence. I, I know of people that play this game quite often which is which is crazy to think about that there's still people playing these old games but it's great to to hear you know it's not the not the constant kind of urge or need to play all these new games and really keep up with your backlog and stuff um it's actually something that i've been slowly getting better at i would say um i've been playing a lot more older games lately as you'll kind of hear in this list um and it's been nice at the it's kind of freeing in a way to just go and play these games and not have to think about, oh, man, there's all this new stuff that I got to play. Uh, part of that was because I ended up leaving uh, my, whatchamacallit, the PlayStation and Xbox. I left those systems uh, behind when I went to Hawaii to visit family and uh, go to a wedding and things like that. Um, but in terms of all these different games, if I if I left all the new systems, or most of the new systems, I brought the Switch with me because it's portable and, and brilliant, but leaving the, the newer systems like the PS4 and the Xbox One behind was definitely freeing in a way. Didn't have to worry about all the new games that I was trying to get through or starting up and things like that. So it was nice. Just got to play some of these old games as well as a few new ones um, via the Switch. And so after Star Fox 64 3D, I ended up playing a game called Exception. And this one actually came out, I believe, last week, if I remember right, on the 13th, I want to say. 13th or 15th? No, I think it was 13th. Um, and that game itself is is it a fast-paced uh, 2D action game. You're definitely doing a lot of kind of like jumping back and forth, like platforming kind of things. Uh, running off of walls and jumping off walls, stuff like that. Um, attacking these different like AI robots. Um, and I say AI, it's not really, you know, not, I, I don't know if I would really call them AI. They don't really like learn or anything like that. But um, you are you are making your way through these levels. And the cool thing about the platforming and the levels themselves is that you, when you hit these specific um, markers in the level, the level flips around you and it becomes a different part of the level or kind of gives you access to a different area that you didn't have access to before because you're playing everything on a 2D plane. And like in those moments when you switch things and it almost becomes 3D for a second before kind of stabilizing again as a 2D part part of the level that you can't access, um, you couldn't have accessed previously. Um, it's a really cool kind of feeling to look and see these things happening. And then the game itself is kind of all about uh, speed as well as like precision. So you end up getting a lot of cool things where you have like leaderboards as you finish levels so you have to see kind of where you rank against people in the world and stuff um i think i took a screenshot of of one of the first few levels where i managed to do it pretty quickly and got i think like third place in the world online i don't really know how many people are playing this game but um i believe it's at least like probably like 100 plus or something at least uh, but it's pretty cool just kind of seeing these like where you're ranking against people that are playing it you see a lot of the same names up towards the top which is pretty interesting and cool um, and I'm sure we'll eventually see um, I assume we'll eventually see kind of speedrunner communities picking this kind of thing up because this is kind of just made for speedrunning in general from the looks of things um, but 
the game itself pretty fun it's definitely different than i thought it was going to be story-wise just because originally i thought it was one thing in the story where it sounded like the the world was kind of like all connected together and stuff but then it kind of turns out that you you are within this um computer world and the computer world is basically only taking place in this older lady's computer um and kind of like in the middle of nowhere and the older lady um as is kind of as is kind of a common thing that i guess probably does happen nowadays i don't know if it happens quite how they kind of described it but i think it is kind of more common than we kind of tend to think about she gets a pop-up like spam kind of thing of like oh do you want this like free software and she's like oh i love free stuff and so she clicks on it and the computer keeps asking like are you sure like this isn't a trusted thing and she's like yes just give me my free stuff and then she eventually gets a virus and the virus kind of starts to infect her computer and everything and you are a kind of subroutine robot inside the computer um or at least your subroutine is kind of um, characterized by a robot figure and so you are kind of going around trying to destroy these viruses as you make your way through the levels and whatnot to fix up the lady's computer so pretty pretty interesting kind of strange weird story beats in there but it's a it's more about the gameplay and the kind of experience itself so it's not really about the story in general but a lot of fun so far with that one now aside from uh, exception played a game called hamsterdam which also came out um, within august i believe uh, this one's pretty fun as well. It's, you're playing as a kung fu hamster, and you kind of do a variety of different moves to fight these other like rodents as you kind of go around. You're trying to protect um, your own hamster buddies and are basically just fighting these like dudes, these like goons that have kind of popped up and started to imprison people. Um, they didn't really quite explain why people are being imprisoned and everything, but... It's a, it's a fun little kind of thing. You play um, each level, and each level has kind of star ratings and stuff. So as you're playing through, you're kind of unlocking further progress areas as well as secret areas and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. It's a fun little action. I wouldn't even... It's not even a platformer. It's kind of you do... There are some platforming levels in terms of like uh, special stages, but it's more about just the kind of quick reflexes and action-based gameplay kind of thing. But a lot of fun there so far. I'm going to slowly kind of work my way through some more of that, I think, over time. Um, it's just kind of one of those games you can just pick up and play pretty easily. So I think there's a lot, there's a, a growing trend, I would say, nowadays of games that you can kind of just pick up, play for a little bit, and then put down. And then they kind of expect you to come back every so often kind of thing. Obviously, there's no kind of like, oh, daily login bonuses that you get for these things. We're not quite on that like mobile frontier there. But um, a lot of these games that have been made to, you know, pick up and play for a little bit and then put down and do something else, I think are doing it probably purposefully because they know that people's time is kind of stretched in so many directions nowadays. So it's a it's a good, smart kind of thing in terms of like game development and whatnot. Um, the next one that I played, um, another one of those types of quick pick up and play kind of games is called Peace Death. And this is basically you are a grim reaper subordinate i'll say you still wear like the the long black robes and you have like a skull face but you aren't the actual reaper i would say there's kind of you see the four horsemen i believe um what was it uh death war pestilence and 
uh, one more. I don't. I don't quite know. I think in the game they're they're described as the four horsemen. I think, but I don't think they are the actual four horsemen. Now that I think about it, because I think Fury is supposed to be one of them too. And in the game, it looks like it's more like a gluttony kind of thing, which is not correct. But um, basically, though, you have these four kind of characters that are, I guess, like the lords and whatnot. And as you do these missions, all the missions are is you are sitting at a desk. You're kind of a, um, I guess, a gatekeeper in a way. And you are looking for specific things that either tell you that this person that has appeared is going to heaven or they're going to hell kind of thing. And in the beginning, it's very easy. It's basically just like, oh, demons go to hell and humans go to heaven. And that's kind of the separation there. And then you start to get more and more things thrown in that you have to look for where um, I think one of the first ones is you have demons that are trying to masquerade as humans, but um, they end up having horns. So they look like humans and they have little red uh, devil horns. So when you see those, you got to send them to hell and then send all the, the regular people to heaven. And then maybe they add in things where like, oh, like if they have blood on them, um, then they're not clean enough to be sent to heaven. So they have to go to the other place. Um, or they have a weapon and weapons are forbidden in heaven kind of thing. So you're just kind of looking at all these things and slowly kind of adding more and more criteria. And it becomes kind of a like, uh, I don't want to say figure ground because it's not quite that, but kind of a uh, quick like anal- analyzation. That's not a word. A quick uh, game of like analyzing to see what you can pick out that would make them go to one direction or the other kind of thing. So it's pretty fun. It's a kind of a fast-paced game once you start to go because you're on sort of a timer as well. And so the faster you do these things, the more points you get and stuff. So it's got, again, that kind of arcade kind of feel. But it's a pretty fun game, and I think it's it's relatively cheap too. I only picked it up for maybe like a couple bucks or something. So fun game. And I, I forget if it was on sale, and that's how I got it for cheaper. But pretty fun. If you guys check it out on the Switch, um, be my guest and let me know about it. Now, let me know what you think about it if you play it. Um, next up, I played a game called Fire Emblem Three Houses, and obviously you guys have heard me talk at length about that for quite a while now. Um, I believe I am, let's see, as of last night when I played some more, I am, mm, I want to say close to 20 hours into the game, still in the semi-early stages. I think I'm in like month four within the game or something like that, four or five, um, I forget which one, but... Actually, maybe even six. We'll say somewhere between four and six, just to be safe. But um, so far, the a lot of a lot of fun in the game, and it doesn't that doesn't sound convincing at all when I say it like that. But um, like truly, this game is just kind of super addicting, and I just play for hours without even kind of realizing how much time has gone by. Um, it's just so much things to do. It's all these different levels of like micromanaging, and uh, of course, like the battle gameplay is a big part. But kind of making sure that all the characters are being used equally so that they're kind of upgrading at the same time and the same speed and everything, as well as just kind of building bonds with all the different teammates and classmates and stuff like that. So a lot of different things going on in there, but I'm slowly kind of learning more about each characters or each of the characters. And um, the most recent one last night had to do with, um, what's his name? Uh, Sylvain. And he's kind of been the, the focus of like the latest chapter area. Um, it does the the thing that I enjoyed about original Fire Emblem games, where if you fight certain characters with specific uh, playable characters, you get different things of dialogue in there. 
And I had a feeling it was going to, so I tried to make a point to make sure that Sylvain was the one who was fighting, um, no spoilers here, but um, fighting the kind of main boss in this area that I was at. And I think because of it, you get different kind of dialogue things, which is which has always been kind of fun about that series. Um, along with Fire Emblem Three Houses, I actually played the original Fire Emblem game, or I shouldn't say original, it's, it's my original Fire Emblem game. It's just called Fire Emblem. It was on the Game Boy Advance, and ended up ordering a copy of that so I could play it on my SP, which is, which now I need to find a charger for, because I had the charger at one point, and I don't know what I did with it, so I'm going to have to find that eventually, so that otherwise I won't be able to play advanced games anymore. But um, playing that on the Game Boy Advance, very, very nostalgic as well. Um, I think what I'm going to end up doing is probably getting it for a virtual console kind of thing, so I can play it without having to worry about the charger as well. Um, but I've been on a super kind of like old game binge, um, as you guys will hear in the next few ones as well. So I only played a little bit of, of Fire Emblem, and that game itself is, I believe, the seventh game in the series. Um, but this is the first one that came over from Japan to the U.S., or I should say to the West. Um, and so actually getting to play it again, I was I was kind of reminded of like, oh, this is why I, I think first started to enjoy um, strategy RPG games is because of Fire Emblem. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and go through that game slowly as well. Uh, I've picked up a bunch of other Fire Emblem games just for like the uh, DS and whatnot. And I'm going to try and see how the different games are in terms of uh, characters and I guess gameplay styles and whatnot. Because looking at the, the OG Fire Emblem game that I was playing, I was very quickly reminded like, oh yeah, this was definitely a older game. This was definitely like a Game Boy Advance game because... The characters on screen in the battles are all very small and pixelated and they have very kind of specific looks. But then when you get to the cutscenes and things, they have kind of that more anime-esque, um, visually appealing style. Um, and it's, it's actually, I think uh, my wife actually mentioned at one point because she saw me playing it um, in bed. And she looked and she's like, oh, this, this is like an older game, but it actually looks pretty. It actually looks pretty. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's, I didn't really think about it at the time. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, this is what I remember. And then she's like, oh, yeah, that actually looks pretty nice for an old game. And she's right. It, it, it does look pretty nice still. So it's kind of been fun to play through some of these old things again. And the next one, though, I don't know how well this one um, held up in terms of time and graphics and whatnot. Uh, it's a game on the GameCube originally that was called Evolution Worlds, and I picked up this for just a little bit of time. This is when I was going through my stuff in Hawaii for my old room um, at my old house, um, trying to get together all my things and move things back to uh, my place in Oregon. Um, ended up find not finding, I knew it was there, I just hadn't brought it back previously. Uh, picked up my GameCube and was trying to make sure that everything was working still. Um, had to do a few things like cleaning wise. At first, I thought all of my GameCube discs were scratched to the point of that I wouldn't be able to play them anymore. And then uh, after a little bit of, you know, you know, internet sleuthing, I found a way to clean part of the GameCube um, that reads the discs. There's a kind of like a lens inside the um, shell top casing. And when you clean that and it allows the discs to be read again, then I wasn't having any problems, so I was very thankful for that because I was super worried that just all of my GameCube games were just, you know, just lost forever. Um, but I got to play Evolution Worlds because it's one that I remember from a long time ago, um, back when I was a kid in Hawaii, and uh, played a little bit of that. 
I was quickly reminded that the uh, voice acting in the game was not the greatest. I, I definitely didn't remember them being... Uh, I would say I, I didn't remember them being bad. I did remember them being somewhat cheesy, and it still kind of is. So it kind of held true to that. But um, yeah, not not awful, not amazing, and kind of just kind of somewhere in the middle. And I think because it has that nostalgia factor, it's probably kind of more up there in terms of like, oh, I actually enjoy this experience of going back to this again. Uh, if I had picked this up uh, straight without have never without having ever played it, it probably would have been a little bit of a different story. But it's a fun game so far, and so I'm going to try... I think what I did is I didn't have the memory card with me at the time. I'll see if my memory card that I found uh, back in Oregon has the data, which I you know, assume that it probably should. So if it does, I'll see where I was and see if I want to pick it up again and keep on going through. Because I don't think I ever got to beat that game. I got partway through, and then you know, other games happened. Um, but the next one, and I believe the last one that I have on the list here is a game that you guys have probably heard me talk about before as well called Golden Sun. And Golden Sun, I picked up on the virtual console. And you guys may be asking, what is this virtual console you keep talking about, Nathan? And this past week, right, the special episode, I mentioned to Michael, and I was telling Michael, I was like, Michael, my dear friend. Uh, I didn't say it quite like this, but um, I was like, Michael, uh, let me just be clear about this one thing. And this is by no means a quote because I don't even remember what I said at this point um, entirely. But I do remember the gist of it was I'm not going to get a Wii U because just not going to, right? Just not going to do it. Um, but what I ended up doing is I ended up getting a Wii U because this is the only way I can play some of these old games without having to pay like heinous amounts of money for uh, Game Boy Advance versions of these things. I've previously owned um, Golden Sun and Golden Sun The Lost Age um, on Game Boy Advance before, but I think I might have mentioned it as well on the podcast that I ended up having to throw those cartridges away because the inside, kind of where the the game is read by the um, Game Boy unit, that portion of it had kind of corroded away because of the fact that when you're younger, right, and the games don't work, you learn that if you blow into the games, it kind of clears away any kind of like dust or debris that's kind of settled in there and is stopping the game from being read by the system. And so you end up doing that with all your Nintendo games. But uh, what you don't really realize at the time is that blowing into it is obviously getting some moisture in there. And in Hawaii, there's a lot of moisture. So I think the combination of moisture plus not being really used very often created this kind of like awful amalgamation of just kind of grime and corrosion on the uh, you know the the cartridges themselves and so unfortunately those ones were just kind of unusable I couldn't use those those games anymore and so I had to throw them away um, and I think I discovered that a few years ago um, yeah I'll, I'll say about a few years ago because when I tried to play it I was like oh man I've, I've really missed playing Golden Sun I should go and check to see how the game is and stuff plugged it into my SP, um, which I did have in Oregon with me, and quickly realized that the game wasn't reading, and I went to blowing it, nothing was fixing it, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, this is what's going on. So I think I just had to throw those two away, because it was really it was really both of those games. Um, but I had the option to order them again um, as, well as, as cartridges, right, the regular Game Boy Advance cartridges. But instead of doing that, I thought about it and kind of calculated things up 
found it would be cheaper to, because there was a whole bunch of other things I wanted to play as well, it found it would be cheaper to get a Wii U and then order the things on the virtual console instead. And so that's what I ended up doing, guys. I now have all of these systems and not enough time to play any of them. <laughs> but um, I think it's all been worth it. I got to see some of these old games that I haven't seen in quite a while. I bought a few other ones as well that I'll probably be talking about um, in the near future, probably next week or something, if I've had the time to play it this week. Um, I am starting the second session of intern, intern I'll say internships because that's what other people know it as. Um, for my last year of, of optometry school. So might not be quite as much game time again, just because now we're out of break time and back into, you know, I wouldn't say crunch time, but back into regular work mode, you know? So in terms of that, uh, probably won't be playing as many games as this list has been for this like last week and a half or so, but yeah, expect some expect some new interesting things, and this will be a fun little kind of um, test to see if Michael listens to these episodes. Because I don't think he does, guys. I don't think he does at all. So, <laughs> if you're listening, Michael, and you heard this, then you know, just just let me know. You let me know if you if you heard me say all these things, um, and then you can you can jump on me about buying a Wii U and stuff. But otherwise, this will be a total surprise and shock to you next week, and that'll be a lot of fun. So, um, going straight from there into segment two, and that is the Bropinion Report. I think that's a different jingle, and I just used it for the wrong thing, but oh well, we're just going to keep going, guys. Um, so, going to the Bropinion Report this week, we have, since it's only myself, and I say only myself, but there's still roughly like six news stories here, so... We're going to kind of go slowly into there. And not all these news stories are as large as, as each other. Um, weird synthesis again. But, you know, that's, that's how the sick, tired brain works. But number one on the Bropinion Report this week is that Nintendo is exchanging some switches for the newer model. And that newer model is the one with the kind of larger battery life that we've kind of been hearing a little bit about. Uh, we kind of talked about this, I believe, a few episodes ago, um, that Nintendo has these new systems coming out, right? New in quotations. Um, <clears throat> but the newer one, they have the newer Switch, which is the longer battery life um, because of the increased processing power of the Switch. And then they also have the Switch Lite, which is going to be just a, a strictly handheld version of the Switch proper. Now, this all may sound a little bit confusing because it somewhat is, right? But um, according to Michael McWhorter on Polygon, the um, newer switches are going to be kind of given, or I guess replaced with people's older switches if you bought the switch recently, right? And we'll kind of go to the article here to get a little bit more information there, is that um, the offer is available to people who have purchased the original switch, right, the, the, the very first one, on or after July 17th. And that's something that Nintendo has kind of announced um, along with their, I guess, like system update from the looks of things. Um, apparently, if you bought it bef- or bought it on July seventeenth or after then, oh, at that sorry, that's when they announced the newest model of the Switch. That's what I should be saying. So, if you bought it on the day that they announced the newest model or after then, um, then if you pay for the shipping fees of sending your own system in, 
um, Nintendo will ship you back a um, upgraded version, the the one with the better processor and hence longer battery life and everything like that. So it's a nice way to kind of upgrade to the newer thing for a select number of people because I'm sure not everybody is kind of always listening to these type of like gaming news outlets or podcasts and things like that where we talk about those things. But um, yeah, in, in the same in the same kind of vein, I don't really know how people would know to do this anyways. So it's kind of, in my mind, it's a small pool of people who likely bought these things. And then I assume that probably the people who bought these things um, that didn't know that the new Switch is coming probably won't even know to go and do all of this kind of stuff to send their Switch and get the newer one back. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag there a little bit, um, but it's a nice thing that Nintendo's doing. They're offering this for people who are in the know and whatnot, and just maybe couldn't wait to buy a Switch at that point for whatever reason. But um, in terms of this kind of like switch switching out the switches, oh, that's a weird phrase there. Um, there's also the offer from GameStop. I almost said GameSpot. There's also the offer from GameStop, I believe, as well, where. Uh, I think it's currently in the month of August. I don't know how long it goes on for. I should have probably checked that. But if you go and purchase a Switch, uh, or if you, not if you, not if you purchase it, if you want to purchase the newer Switch, like the upgraded version, you can bring in your old Switch uh, with all the you know cords and dock and cables and things like that. And if you bring all that in, along with the Joy-Cons, obviously, they will replace it for you or they will replace it with a newer switch for i think the fee of like 75 dollars. so you get kind of an upgrade by paying 75 bucks essentially right um i think from kind of reading that stuff on online it looks like they would likely also have um what are those things called uh cables to kind of send over you know your your save data information and whatnot so they can transfer everything over to the new system Um, because that would kind of be a shame to bring your stuff in and then get a totally new system, but you've lost all your progress for your, you know, your accounts on the switch and whatnot already. So I'm, I'm not sure entirely if this is something that I'll be interested in quite yet. Um, just because it's an extra expense and it's not like my switch is having like problems or anything. Um, but we'll kind of, we'll kind of see as we go along. It would be nice to have a longer battery life because currently like my switch does do that thing where you get on the plane, you're playing it and whatnot, and I don't have a uh, extra battery pack. I know people kind of talk about like, oh, just get an extra battery pack, you'll be fine. But you know, if I don't need to get another one, I don't know why you would as like a as like your only like first option kind of thing. You know, I think it's just the battery should last a little bit longer, and that's probably just gotta have to play with the settings and whatnot on the system. But I think the clock for my thing at least so like the most recent flights i had right i think it's it is sitting roughly at around like three hours exactly for how long the battery will last if you're playing it you know just regularly so and i think that's that's the um obviously more in-depth kind of games as well so i was playing fire emblem on the plane and it got me through about like three hours before the battery was like okay like i'm gonna probably shut off pretty soon so charge me and end up just having to kind of just close things down and whatnot but um, these are these are nice options to kind of have for people who are looking to get the, the newer systems. And it's obviously a good uh, marketing thing as well. They want to get these new systems out. And they want, especially like people like GameStop, they want you to go in and buy these new and great things. If you already have a Switch, you don't really have as many reasons to upgrade to the newer one. Especially if you're not like part of that 
you know, that tech community that really wants the newest, best and greatest things all the time. So it's a smart move on their part to try and get these people in the door, but um, kind of have to see how, how it plays out over time, see if it's something that is actually popular amongst uh, gamers and whatnot. Um, the next one, number two here, is coming from uh, gamesindustry.biz, and that one is that um, Nintendo, again, is clamping down on YouTube music channels. This is from uh, the, the editor over in the UK, James Batchelor, and apparently there are um, kind of claims, copyright claims, that are coming in against um, YouTube gaming music channels. And these are, um, as the article kind of puts it, these are kind of some of the only ways that people can listen to um, some of the, the music from these different like Nintendo games other than playing the games themselves. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a sad thing to hear about. Uh, there was one channel that uh, reportedly received over 140 copyright claims against their videos. Um, another channel, I think, also ended up just, you know, just what's going to call it, um, not 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 purging their their library of videos, but I think they actually just took their channel down um, willingly because there was just too many things to have to go through for them. And so, yeah, it's kind of a sad thing. Like Nintendo a while back did a similar thing where they, um, whatchamacallit, they stopped people from being able to play their games on like Let's Plays. They were just, I guess they didn't, they didn't shut it down completely, but they were making things so difficult for people to feature their games in like streams and Let's Plays and stuff um, on, on YouTube that people just, you know, in, in, as a result, they just were like, well, you know, if you're going to make it so difficult for me to do these things, I'm just not going to play your games on, on stream and whatnot. And so it was kind of a sad thing when they did that, they made it really difficult. I think people had to give Nintendo a whole bunch of the um, proceeds from these like streams and whatnot. In my mind, it's like you're, you're, you're streaming these, these games from Nintendo and now Nintendo's like, okay, well, even though you're providing us all of this like free advertisement and everything that comes with streaming games or doing let's plays, we're now going to take as much money from you as possible and then leave you with like cents in the dollar kind of thing. So it was a real kind of like bad taste move in my mind um, from Nintendo at the time. And now it's kind of happening. So they, they eventually walked that back, right? They kind of shut down that program um, at some point, I think within the last year. Um, but now this kind of thing is happening with the music gaming channels, which is kind of also sad in its own way, you know, because if you're going to these channels to watch or not even watch, but to listen to the music, it means you're a fan already. Right. And you just kind of want easy access to these uh, music libraries, which they don't really have easy access. Right. You have like things like Square Enix where they have the um, some of their, their games libraries, such as like the Final Fantasy games that are available on different streaming platforms, which is really nice, like iTunes and um, just different music stores in general. But um, Nintendo doesn't have anything of that similar like quality or magnitude at this point. So it's kind of sad that like the one of the really only ways to, you know, listen to these things um, outside of playing the game is now just being taken down. So hopefully there will be kind of like enough... Uh, you know, like backlash about it so that Nintendo will realize that, hey, this is this is kind of a sucky thing for everybody and nobody wins from these things. So hopefully they'll eventually kind of stop this push against the uh, gaming music channels. Obviously, um, the company can do what it wants to do in terms of these uh, types of things. But I don't know, the in terms of like these types of like opinions and I wouldn't even say arguments, but like uh, statements and things and things that the companies choose to do and choose not to do. I don't think it's ever very like 
you know, I don't even, I don't think it's ever helpful to the conversation to talk about like, oh, like it's their stuff. They can do what they want to do kind of thing. Cause that's not really what the entire thing's about. You know, it's really about like, is this kind of a sucky situation? Is it a good thing that they're doing? Is it not a good thing? That kind of thing. You know, um, a lot of things that were just said there, but, um, in, in general, I just think it's, it's a better type of conversation to talk about like how we think things are being handled and whether or not the companies are doing the, you know, quote unquote correct things by the fan and like user base. Um, and in this case, I think it's just kind of a bad move by Nintendo's part, but we'll kind of see how things, um, settle out over time and see what kind of, what kind of difference, um, you know, reactions we get from the public at large. Um, number three here is, um, somewhat related to, whatchamacallit, um, Nintendo as well, um, just because it has to do with a speedrunner that broke the Super Mario Brothers record, and this is coming from ONS Good on Polygon. So, um, the speedrunner's name is Cosmic, and apparently this has not been done before, but the, so the game, um, Super Mario Brothers for the, um, NES, I believe NES, NES or, yeah, NES, um, the game has never been completely beaten, right, without using the kind of like warp pipes um, and things like that to kind of speed through the game. It's never been beaten under uh, somewhere above like 19 minutes. And apparently this uh, speedrunner named Cosmic has gotten the first uh, sub 19 minute run. And that's kind of a, they kind of talk about it in the article a little bit. So he got, his time was 18 minutes, 59 seconds, and 856 milliseconds is that right i think that's right i think that's how time works guys but um if you kind of are unaware of like how all these things kind of work in like speed running and stuff um basically they have to kind of be vetted like the the time has to be kind of verified by these like uh, this official speed running uh, board and whatnot and it has it's been it's been verified that this is a you know legitimate time no like cheating involved and things like that because that does happen from time to time um, but aside from that, it's usually pretty hard to kind of get from like one minute to the next minute in terms of like times and stuff. And they kind of talk about that a little bit more in the article as well, or Owen is good does. And the idea is that, you know, like the speed runs, like the speed running community is so kind of like fast and versatile that times tend to be broken pretty quickly. Once, once a new strategy is kind of figured out for a game, they quickly kind of, you know, evolve that strategy over time so that these times keep on getting better and better for the games. And I think, um, you know, like new new times or world record times can be broken within the, the span of like weeks sometimes, maybe, maybe even like several days, depending on how like close these things are. And um, the idea that I think going from the previous time, which I'm trying to see, I think it had it on here, but it was it was it was like 19 and a half minutes or so previously, and he brought it down to just below 19 minutes. It's a pretty large time leap, which is pretty impressive, um, at least in my opinion, pretty impressive. Um, and now we're gonna have to kind of wait and see if this will kind of keep on keep on, you know, like keep on progressing in terms of like speed running. I've always kind of wondered if there's eventually a point where the speed just can't go any, any higher or any faster, I guess. And we'll kind of see what eventually comes of that. But this kind of stuff is super interesting to me just because I like watching these speed running videos and whatnot. If you've never checked them out, they have, um, I think pretty good, like entry points are the, 
um, either the summer games done quick or the awesome games done quick, which is either in the summer or the winter. And it's kind of this really large um, speed running streaming community that does these um, charity events that essentially raise money for different charities. And then they just kind of showcase all these speedrunners and like these games that they've chosen to play and whatnot. But really, really fun. And it kind of really gets you into just kind of watching as these guys just systematically kind of break apart these games in terms of like ways to, to play them and just kind of blows, blows your mind is like how, how good these people are at these different games that they play. And some people are even amazing at, at multiple games. It's not even that they're just playing this one game only. They're actually playing this game, which is like maybe like a strategy game, and then they jump over to something that's like a 2D platformer, which is just blows my mind that people are just like so versatile and can do these different games and still like, you know, like I feel like you'd have to really like stop playing everything else just to focus on this one game and then these people manage to play like multiple games and be amazing at the speed runs for all of them which is which is pretty insane when you kind of think about it but after that one now since we just talked a little bit about competition we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about something semi-competition related yeah that works um but apparently the um e-league which is the eSports Gaming League, is going to be broadcasting Nintendo 2019 World Championships on CBS. And this comes from Rebecca Valentine over on GamesIndustry.biz. Um, this apparently is going to be happening uh, pretty soon. So the first the first part of the series, right? It's a three-day or three-episode three three series is kind of how it's going to work uh, this fall. Um, the first part is going to be Sunday, August 25th at 1 p.m. Uh, and that's Eastern Time. Um, And then the next episodes are going to be on Saturday, September 7th at 2 p.m. Eastern and Saturday, September 14th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. And essentially, these are kind of the, you know, the the summer competitions of like different um, Nintendo video games that they do for the Nintendo championships. And these are actually pretty fun. Um, A buddy of mine, uh, Jeremy, actually introduced me to these um, Nintendo World Championships. And I think I, I watched the... Was it? It's been it's been several years now, or at least yeah, maybe I'll say like four ish years or something. I think since I watched it with him, and that was when it was I think Super Mario Maker, just the number one, not number two. And watching that portion of the the Nintendo World Championships, I was just kind of blown away at like how good these people are at this game that hadn't even come out yet at the time. And um, getting to kind of watch these people play these things is another just kind of fun, you know, zany competition. And video games, guys. Who, who doesn't love watching video game competitions, you know? But it's pretty cool to see that this is kind of coming to a major uh, television stage. They, I think originally it was broadcast on TBS, I want to say. And now that it's on, like, CBS, I think that's a... At least as far as I'm aware. Obviously, I'm not a television aficionado or anything like that. But it seems like this would be a more um, giant leap in terms of kind of like coverage and whatnot for the championships themselves. So hopefully this will be kind of a new cool kind of place for the Nintendo World Championships to kind of take place and like be broadcast from. Um, It'd be pretty cool to see if we kind of get more people watching it just because it's on a larger, you know, broadcasting um, television system i guess is what i don't i don't know how the words go guys um if we kind of see on a more like mainstream channel and everything maybe a lot more people will be able to kind of enjoy these competitions as well you know 
And speaking of competitions that people enjoy, of course, Evo 2019 happened, and a lot of new new reigning champions were crowned, things like that. Uh, we talked a little bit about it uh, previously, uh, I think a couple weeks ago. But um, a new story has kind of come out from Austin Goslin over on Polygon that uh, it's possible. Now, I'm not saying that I think the headlining title was a little bit more misleading than the actual story itself. But I think the idea is that it's possible that some of the Evo 2019 attendees may have been exposed to measles. Now, <clears throat> this is kind of a shocking kind of thing to find out. And let me kind of dive in so that people aren't just kind of like suddenly worried about this thing all all of a sudden. Um, but now we kind of know that pe- when you go to conventions, it's pretty common for people to get sick and stuff, right? Uh, just because there's thousands of people wandering all over the place, you know, everyone's touching the same things. So it's always a good idea to have like hand sanitizer with you or like wipes that you can kind of wipe things down with. Um, sometimes the people at the conventions are good about that stuff and they have things there for you to kind of sanitize your hands with or... You know, they have like stations for hand washing and things like that so that people aren't getting sick and spreading things around. But it's it's hard to avoid it sometimes. So you hear a lot about like convention sickness and stuff like that. But um, what ended up happening, though, is that there was a report. Um, let's see here by the Southern Nevada Health District um, that was released that a visitor to the Mandalay Bay and Luxor Hotel um, between so he, the, the visitor, right? I don't know if it's, it doesn't say he or she, but the visitor was there between August 1st and August 6th, and they had a case of the measles, apparently. Uh, Evo 2019 was held August 2nd through August 4th, and it was roughly in the same place. Um, a lot of the kind of stuff happened around Mandalay Bay Convention Center, and then there was also some meetups and things like that over at the Luxor Hotel. So it's, it's, unclear as the the article kind of puts it it's unclear if the person was an evo attendee or like a competitor or something or if it was just someone who happened to be there at the same time um but since they are kind of both around that same area and measles is kind of highly contagious um it is possible that people were exposed to measles while they were there um it's very unfortunate to kind of hear about um and it just kind of shows i think the importance of you know kind of keeping up with like health and making sure that your own things that, that you're kind of touching and stuff is always like clean and kind of you're, you're watching your own hygiene and things like that as well. Um, because I mean, when you ever, whenever you travel to other places, you never know what could be on like that doorknob that you're grabbing or, you know, like who, who sat in that airplane seat that you were in previously. So it's always a good idea to have some kind of like things with you to clean, like even just like those small carry on, um, what are they called? Uh, hand sanitizer bottles that you can take on with you. It's a good idea to just have those. Sometimes you can have even like those those wet wipes and things that you can just quickly wipe stuff down that you're going to be touching. I know this sounds kind of boring and like, oh man, I'm just, it's like I'm just trying to watch everything nowadays. But, you know, it, it never hurts to be safe rather than sorry, you know. And so, um, good idea to just kind of be on the lookout if you were at Evo and <clears throat> and think that you may be getting sick. Um kind of keep keep in mind um, it's possible that it was just a regular thing it's possible that you could have you know contracted measles which is very unfortunate but hopefully everyone is kind of staying safe and healthy and you know if you it's very likely if you had the measles vaccine you're going to be totally fine there's always the possibility that the vaccine uh, expires or doesn't really work quite as well so just kind of keep up on your own personal health and you know just watch out for for signs and symptoms that you may be kind of having some kind of you know, uh, 
virus kind of developing as well inside you. So, and I'm sorry, that's that's very kind of depressing to to hear about and everything, but you know, it's always it's always good to keep up with your health and everything. If you are worried about these things, just make sure that you're kind of up to date on all your vaccines when you go places. Um, I know if you're if you're not really a fan of vaccines, then I mean, there's not really many options available to you other than just kind of you know shutting yourself in and keeping good hygiene um, when you go places. So. Hopefully things will be okay for for everyone traveling if they're going different places. I know uh, PAX West is actually coming up pretty soon, and I'm gonna be going to that, so I'm gonna have to make sure I'm taking care of my own like bodily health and everything like that as well. So don't worry, guys. I'm not just giving you this advice just to be like, well, and I'm not gonna get any of that stuff, so I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm gonna be making sure that I I always bring a small um, antibacterial hand sanitizer and just kind of like some some small thing of wet wipes so I can wipe things down wherever I go and that's just you know just trying to be safe and healthy I don't want to I don't want to catch something when I'm at some place to go and have fun you know this is kind of a sucky situation in general but we're going to go ahead and go into the last part of the opinion report now that's in regards to DuckTales the kind of old classic game that has apparently made a kind of staggering last minute comeback in the EME AA charts. Wow, that's a mouthful right there. Um, but this comes from James Bachelor over at GamesIndustry.biz. All you really need to know is that the charts have to do with, you know, which which games are kind of selling the best, and that's in terms of usually combined physical and digital um, rankings and whatnot over there. And there are usually, actually, like I guess not usually. There's there's it kind of it kind of ranks basically all the games I believe. Um, so there's there's more than a thousand places here, right? And it kind of shows where things used to be um, on the previous week and then where they are in the current week. Since uh, DuckTales Remastered was recently taken down, um, it was also put on sale by the publisher. And I think the sale was like 75% off of the price of the game. Um, And that was because the game was going to be taken down completely. So people weren't going to be able to buy it anymore. And so they knocked the price down, put it on sale and whatnot. And I think it was all it was all within a very short period of time that people realized that they weren't going to be able to buy it anymore. And apparently a lot of people were able to get their hands on it before it was taken down. Because as long as you own it, I believe, um, you can't buy it anymore now. Uh, the game has been delisted from the marketplace. But as long as you own it, you can still re-download it currently, I believe. And that's a, it's a nice thing for people who, you know, have, have that you know, constant fear that they're going to miss out on things that used to be available and whatnot, right? So the the kind of funny thing was is that uh, DuckTales Remastered was, the week prior, it was at the ranking of, I think it was, it's placed on the ranking at 1,191. Now, this current week, when the news story came out, it was number three in the sales charts, apparently, which is which is pretty crazy. Now we know that like sales, um, like large discounts off of these games, tend to fuel a lot of these kind of like uh, weekly rankings and whatnot. But it's pretty impressive that it went up so like astronomically on the sales charts. Um, and I guess it's it's good that it it made a bunch of money in the end there. Um, I don't really know how much. I forget how much it was actually, I know we said 75%, but I don't know how much it was previously. So may it may just be, you know, like a few bucks that was kind of made by, I assume, the publisher at this point. Um, but pretty pretty interesting kind of last hurrah for, for a game that's now not going to be available for purchase anymore. So 
it's bittersweet, but also a little bit nice, you know, that people are still interested in these kinds of like older games maybe that means disney will eventually release it again in terms of it being like a rather than just a remaster it'd be kind of like more of a reimagining or something maybe it'll be like a 3d ducktales who knows guys maybe you can pogo off of bad guys as scrooge mcduck again in glorious 3d but then again do you really want that who knows (laughs) so just kind of have to wait and see and find out from there if this is something that disney is eventually interested in kind of putting something new out there about. I know there's kind of been like some change in um, management over on the Disney gaming side. Um, Good old John Drake is now part of the um, gaming management area there. Uh, I forget his title exactly, but I think he's pretty high up there. So um, yeah, we'll just kind of have to wait and see how everything plays out in terms of Disney and video games. But for now, let's go into segment three. And that is, as you guys are aware, the entire list of upcoming games on the PlayStation Network, as listed by Justin Maskingill, brought to you by the Bros and Consoles co-hosts each and every weekend. This is it. That's the jingle. Yep, so that's the one that I, I messed it up for. But it's okay, guys. We have too many jingles, you know? We have to get, like, a set jingle for the opinion report. Otherwise, it just becomes too too difficult and cumbersome to try and figure out what that portion is you know which is the first thing that pops into our head musically is what we end up singing so we'll 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 iron it out eventually guys um this week because of the special episode last week um we actually have a kind of weird uh version of segment three or three a as you guys may know it if you look at the description and everything like that um, we have a little bit of a weird format, so I'm going to read the current week, right? So the, the current upcoming week for, uh, what is that? I think August 20th. Yeah, that's it. And then there's also a few games. I say a few. It's actually several. I think it's like eight games from the previous week. So I'll just kind of run through those real quickly. I'm not going to, uh, yeah, since, since we weren't able to do it, I don't think I'm going to read through the list, but we'll see how much time this is taking and go from there. Might actually be pretty quick because not really much conversation to be had it's just about reading the different titles and stuff so we'll we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll learn about this together guys so for this coming week we have first on the list afterlife would come into psvr digitally on the 21st so i believe that's a wednesday release uh, loss always leaves an invisible trace after a tragic death explore each family member's grief through seamlessly interactive storylines in live action vr Using a cutting-edge VR filming technique, Afterlife takes you through a 360 VR branching narrative that reveals a story that shifts based on the characters and objects you interact with. So, sounds pretty interesting. I'm interested in this kind of, like, uh, real-life filming technique that they're kind of talking about. It sounds like it'd be an interesting way to use VR, and I think it kind of gets past the whole, like, you know, uncanny valley of using VR in general. Um, for when you're actually like in the world, if things look too like cartoony, sometimes I think it's hard for people to be like, Oh, this is not like what I'm expecting from VR. But if you're now filming in kind of a real setting, it seems like it'd be more of like a believable kind of thing that you can get yourself into. Next up, we have black desert coming on the 22nd. So a Thursday release to the PS4 black desert is an expansive MMORPG sprawling across vast and various regions, jump into fast paced action combat. That's a uh, that's a weird phrase. Hunt monsters and huge bosses and fight with friends in siege warfare. Or, wait, I think they spelled siege wrong. I think they spelled siege wrong. Write in brosenconsoles at gmail.com. Is siege, S-I-E-G-E? 
I think it is. I think they spelled siege wrong. Oh, well. I think they put S-E-I-G-E. But, um, what was I saying? Fight with friends in siege warfare, or fish, trade, and craft your way to riches. So, um, this is actually one that I thought was originally only going to come to Xbox, um, and I was kind of interested in it. Now that's coming to PS4, maybe I'll check it out. We'll kind of have to see, because I think it's probably still around the model where it's like you pay for a subscription-based service kind of thing. If it's still about that, I'm not really about that life, so I don't know if I'll really get to play it or not, but we'll, we'll see. We'll kind of wait and see how it turns out. Next, we got uh, Dobutsu Shogi World, Let's Catch the Lion, coming to PS4 on the 22nd, so the Thursday again. Let's play and learn Shogi on three levels. Cute animal pieces have marks to show the direction of movement. Have fun increasing your skills from Dobutsu Shogi, Gorogoro Dobutsu Shogi, and Dobutsu Shogi in the Greenwood. Wow, that's a mouthful. Use all that you learned and start playing Shogi. They really want you... Ooh, sorry guys, they really want you to play Shogi. This is... I don't know how to play Shogi, but it'd be interesting to learn. I just don't know if I want to learn on this Shogi World game, you know? It just it looks it looks like it's made for like little kids and I'm just like, well, is a little kid really interested in learning how to play Shogi? Like the Japanese version of chess? I don't I don't know, guys. We'll have to we'll kind of have to wait and see if people are interested in that or not. Next up though, we have I think one that I feel like I've seen before and maybe it's just like a newer version. Uh, this one's called Doling's Invasion. And maybe it's because I've seen it on the Switch. That might be why. Coming out on the 22nd for PS4. Another tribute paid to yet another arcade classic from the Hero Concept team. Doling's Invasion promises a fun gaming experience to gamers of all ages. In Doling's Invasion, the second game of the series, oh, there we go, the story continues right where it left off. This time, our hero Morpheus arms himself to defend his people from alien invaders. Now, gotta, gotta say, I'm not really a fan of the art of this one from the looks of things the main character looks like he's like a weird brain or something with arms and eyes and he's fighting these i don't know what they are like cartoon looking alien squids with mustaches it's like tentacle mustaches so i don't know what's going on there guys um but if it's if it's something you're interested in or you played the um whatchamacallit if you played the original game the dolings game then maybe you'll like this one as well um, next, we got Injection coming to PS4 on the 23rd, so our first Friday release of the week. Um, and the thing, okay, it says Injection is the title, and then the picture says Injection Pi 23, no name, no number. So I don't know if that's like the full title or what. But it says Classic Survival Horror Oriented to Solving Puzzles, Exploration, and Strategy. Travel to the depths of a lonely mind that has lost contact with society and torments his own condition as a human being. Can you descend into the spiral of paranoia, paranoia and madness to rediscover your happiness? That sounds like a yeah, sounds like a fright fest a little bit. And I can't tell if the picture is a rat that's in a wheel or if it's like a weird-looking cat that's kind of demented and stuff. Not sure, guys. Not sure. But that, that game's coming out Friday. There you go. Then we got Mecha Bolt, and oh man, this is a this is definitely a Radalika Games game. I'm calling it now. Um, coming to PS4 and PS Vita digital cross buy on this on Tuesday, so the twentieth. Players take the role of a theme park technician that needs to collect batteries to repair the Haywire robots. With your handy Mecha Bolt, use the out of control robots to your advantage to overcome obstacles and obtain the batteries across a hundred pl- puzzle platforming challenges. Only you can save the day. Oh man, that means only you can get the platinum, guys. It's time to go get it. Ride like a game is giving it to you. Go get it. 
Then we got Oninaki, and this is the only one I care about this week. Like, honestly, this is the game I've been waiting for. Oninaki coming to PS4 digital and retail on the 22nd. So that is a Thursday, I believe, again. Now, I've got this pre-ordered. I've been waiting for it. I have the um, theme up on my PS4, and it's just it's just taunting me. It's calling to me. It wants me to play it, guys. The new action RPG, Oninaki, tells the story of one watcher... Yeah, of one watcher on a journey to protect life after death. Oninaki features exciting hack-and-slash-style battles with deep customization of your daemons and weapons. Experience unique action gameplay combined with a deep and satisfying story. Now, as you guys may remember when we've talked about it in the past, Oninaki is from the creators of um, Lost Sphere, as well as I Am Setsuna, and it's uh, Tokyo RPG Factory um, under the publishing arm of Square Enix. Now, these games have all had kind of somewhat different uh, play styles and whatnot. I think this is the first one that's not solely, um, I guess, like turn-slash-time-based uh, battles. So this one looks like it's kind of a newer style of battle in general. And the the premise of the game, like the story itself, is, is pretty interesting. You kind of serve as what they call a watcher, right? And people, when they die in this game world... Um, they have, if they have strong emotions or things that they're kind of unfulfilled during life, then they become these kind of horrid like creatures and basically attack other regular people, right? And so you watchers have to go and slay these creatures and kind of fulfill their last wishes and stuff so that they can cross over in peace or just so that they aren't creating more monsters by, you know, getting, um, getting their hands on living people and kind of wreaking havoc and whatnot. So it's a pretty, pretty interesting looking kind of game. So I'm going to, I'm going to try that out as soon as I'm able to hopefully this week. Um, then we got Patoon's party coming out on the 19th. So our first Monday release of the week, ready for a great adventure. The Patoons need your help to face the evil Kitra. Kitra wants to conquer the Island of Chimera and steal the Patoons magic to control their world. Patoons party is a party game full of fun mini games to enjoy with family and friends. Join the Patoons and save their world of magical islands. Wow, guys, there's a lot of things going on in this description here. I don't even know what these Patoons are. They look kind of like weird people, but they got like four toes on each foot and funny looking faces. I don't know what's happening, guys. They look kinda like aliens, but let's let's leave that up to people playing the game. You guys tell us how Patoons is if you if you try it out. All right. Um, then we got Rad coming out on Tuesday to PS4. Rad is a 3D action roguelike set in a sorry, post-post-apocalyptic world where humanity has faced Armageddon not once, but twice. Playing as a teenage protagonist, you must venture into the fallow, an ever-changing radioactive wasteland filled with unknown and unspeakable creatures. Now, this is the game, I believe, that's coming from Tim Schafer's team, and it looks pretty interesting, so I'm going to try and check it out. Ooh, we just got a package, I believe. That was correct, guys. This is Nathan from the future, a few seconds from the future, and it was a package. I did get my package. Um, I'm waiting on one more, so we'll have to wait and see if we get that one today as well. But let's just keep on going through the list. Next one we got is called Remnant from the Ashes, coming to PS4 on Tuesday. Now this one, Remnant from the Ashes, is a third-person survival action shooter set in a post-apocalyptic world overrun by monstrous creatures. As one of the last remnants of humanity, you'll set out alone or alongside up to two other survivors to face down hordes of deadly enemies or epic bosses. Sorry, and epic bosses. And try to carve a foothold, rebuild, and then retake what was lost. I believe this game, if I remember right, is from the creators of uh, Perfect World. 
So it's another kind of like, um, I think that game, Perfect World is a MMORPG kind of thing. This one, as they kind of said, third-person survival action shooter. Um, looks pretty interesting, though. I liked the the looks of it from what I've kind of seen trailer-wise and stuff. Off to kind of check it out. Hopefully it's not a subscription-based service game kind of thing. If, it, if I can just buy it and play it, that would be great. Like, I love doing that. Um, next, though, we got Roar Jurassic Edition. Oh, boy. Uh, coming to PS4 on Tuesday. Roar Fast... Oh, gosh. Why do they do that? Roar's fast and dynamic action, sorry, dynamic gameplay is a modern tribute to the good old brawler games. With a load of terrifying bosses, cool enemies, and six completely different aisles to explore, Roar is a brawler heaven and a perfect party game for up to four players on the couch. Now, I think that is an idea of like how to not write game descriptions. If your if your game is called Roar with like two R's at the end and an exclamation point, please don't please don't keep on referring to it like that in in the game description. It's just distracting and very annoying. Um, but yeah, besides that, we got next Tokyo Chronos coming out on the twenty third to PSVR. Tokyo Chronos is a VR mystery visual novel told in an immersive three sixty. That's right. Immersive 360-degree world. Characters with personality come to life right before your eyes. Their fate lies in your hands. An empty, deserted Shibuya where time has frozen over. A suspenseful mystery woven by eight childhood friends trapped inside. Lost memories. Where does the truth lie? This is also an example of not great writing in these descriptions, guys. Just random sentences thrown in here. But either way, uh, this is actually, oh yeah, that's actually the last one on the list this week. So some some interesting ones. As I kind of mentioned, this is kind of a, a weak, okay, weak, W-E-A-K, weak, W-E-E-K, right? It's kind of a, a sad week in terms of game releases. But if there's things you should be kind of like looking out for and stuff, I would definitely say prob- like for sure Oninaki, right? Because that one looks amazing. Um, I think Rad also looks pretty cool as well. There's that there's that constant joke. Rad looks rad, but um, yeah. And then if you're into like more like multiplayer MMORPG kind of things, obviously Black Desert and Remnant from the Ashes look like they're pretty good as well. If you're all about the Platinums, check out Mecha Bolt. You'll get two of them most likely. You know. Um, but yeah, that's all for that week. I'm gonna go ahead and start the previous week real quick now this is kind of a new interesting thing i haven't really done before so we'll just kind of run through this real quickly um yeah we're not we're not we're not running too bad on time and stuff so i'm just going to go ahead and read these ones as well so they don't get lost and whatnot um there's only eight of them so this is from the last week um the week of august 13th so real quick here we got ancestors legacy coming that came to ps4 on last tuesday Ancestors Legacy is a squad-based real-time strategy with a strong focus on tactics. Inspired by medieval European history, it brings to life four different nations and their conflicts, usually resolved by war. The game combines resource management and base building with large-scale squad-based battles across vast battlefields. A lot of battle things going on there. Then we got Edna and Harvey, Harvey's New Eyes, which came out on the 14th to PS4. Shy schoolgirl Lily is having a tough time at the convent. Only her imagination helps her to escape from the strict rule of Mother Superior. When her best friend Edna disappears under mysterious circumstances, Lily faces a tough journey not only to get her friend back, but also confront her own subconscious fears. Then, um, the game that I talked about earlier, Exception, came out on the 14th for the PS4. 
I do believe it was the 13th on the Switch, but it came out a day later here. When an old woman's computer system is taken over by a virus bent on total annihilation, you assume control of an ordinary software program transformed into an elite combat machine. Exception is a combat platformer set aside, sorry, set inside a computer system which has been hijacked by a totalitarian virus. Then we had Genesis, which came to the PS4 on last Tuesday. Genesis is an action-packed classic MOBA-themed around a futuristic sci-fi setting offering a rich roster of 28 original heroes, as well as various skins, weapons, and other cosmetics for players to choose from. Core gameplay will include a competitive PvP mode as well as a single-player co-op PvE campaign. Now this is actually free because I downloaded it the other day, or at least added it to my download list. Um, I have to clear some space if I want to actually download it. But yeah, it looks like the characters look pretty pretty fun and interesting. Uh, MOBA is not really my style of game, so I don't really know when I'll play this, but at least it's it's there for you if you want to try it out, you know. It doesn't hurt to try out free things, you know. Unless your your free thing is free software that is clearly a scam from the internet, guys. Don't get sucked into these viruses and whatnot. Now, we got uh, Gravity Duck that came to PS4 and Vita uh, last week. It was a cross-buy. Likely was a Rata Like a Games joint. Um, have you ever wanted to be rich? What if you could become rich and control gravity? This duck can with your help. Flip, dodge, and traverse mind-bending gravity puzzles in 140 levels in order to grab all the eggs to return to the Maui statue. I don't know why Maui is part of this, but uh, there you go, guys. Gravity duck. Um, then we had No Man's Sky Beyond, which came out on the 14th of last week. No Man's Sky is an epic science fiction adventure set across an infinite universe in which every star in the Sorry. Every star is the light of a distant sun orbited by planets filled with life, each yours to visit. Explore never-before-seen worlds and trade, fight, and survive on a galactic scale. Now, obviously, uh, No Man's Sky Beyond, I think the Beyond portion in there refers to the VR that you can now access on No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky has been out for quite a while now, but I've heard good things about the game ever since it has kind of like fixed things uh, prior to the launch. Sorry, prior? Post-launch, I should say. Yeah, post-launch. Um, yeah, they fixed things, fixed a bunch of things, added in new expansions and things like that to the world. So it looks like a good time to kind of jump in. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Then we got uh, the one that I wanted to mention in here because it's just so ridiculous. PC Building Simulator, which came out last week, Tuesday. Build and grow your very own computer repair enterprise as you learn to diagnose, fix, and build PCs. With real-world licensed components and comprehensive hardware and software simulation, you can plan and bring your ultimate PC to life. Oh my gosh, guys. Now, if you ever wanted to play a game about making a computer to play games, then this is the game for you. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, guys. This is, they have some strange simulator games nowadays. Like I thought it was weird when we were getting... Sorry, when we got a forklift simulator. But now that you're getting a PC building simulator, I think the world's about to end, guys. I think it's just, that's just the sign of the times. Now, the last one on this list from last week was Vasara Collection, which came to PS4 and Vita um, digitally. Not cross-buy, but you can get them separately. Um, came out on Tuesday last week. For the very first time, highly acclaimed Japanese arcade shoot-em-ups, Vasara and Vasara 2, are made available to the world via this collection. Science fiction meets history in, the, in these arcade classics, which take place in an alternate timeline where technologically advanced weaponry and equipment are a reality. Uh, 
Now, I got this game on the Switch because I didn't know it was coming to PS4 and stuff. And it actually looked like a fun multiplayer kind of game. Um, it's kind of one of those, whatchamacallit, uh, you fly through and it's kind of uh, bullet hell dodging um, arcade shoot-em-ups kind of thing. So it looked like a fun game. You can play, I think, up to four players in co-op and kind of reminds me of like old like arcade cabinet kind of things. So I thought I'd give it a try. I haven't played it quite yet, but I think I'll try it out once we get some people together just to kind of see how it is because it looks like fun. And that's all we had for, yeah, that's actually all we had for that week or that past week and apparently also this week. So I think what was the list? I want to say it was like a total of like 20 games. So like 12 from this week or so, and then eight from last week. So decent amount of stuff that is coming out soon and came out, um, but also still pretty slow in terms of like things that are, you know, more interesting to, to pick up and purchase and try out. Um, but you guys are probably wondering, man, what if I wanted to play some like sweet Nintendo games? And I'd be like, well, did you just buy a Wii U? And they'd be like, no, I didn't because the Wii U is a pretty old system and I didn't want that, but I want to play things on my Switch. Then I'd be like, oh, good sir or madam, you are most likely looking for our weekly Nintendo Switch picks. And let me go ahead and just pull out that list for you right now. Now, of course, there are some um, areas of overlap on here that we had with the uh, PS4 list. Uh, the first one here is the game called Rad, coming from, uh, oh, I guess it says Bandai Namco, but I believe the developer is uh, Tim Schafer's team and whatnot. But uh, that one is just $19.99. You can pre-purchase it. It's coming out on the 20th. The next one that's kind of an overlap is Oninaki, of course, uh, and they do have, I think, the same thing as the PS4 offering. It's a pre-purchase of 10% off, so the game is going to be uh, $49.99, and right now, if you get it before it comes out on the 22nd, it's only $44.99, so pretty good deal, <clears throat> especially for kind of like newer things. They also have what looks like a demo available on the Switch, so that's a pretty cool way to kind of get people in and see if they're going to like the game or not. Now, the next one here, I think the actually the, the next ones that are going to be talked about, yeah, these are all just on the Switch that I've seen. Um, the first one that I have is called Everdark Tower, and this is actually a Chemco game. It doesn't really look like the classic Chemco games we've been getting lately, but Chemco is apparently making this game, and the game is coming out. Right now, it's pre-purchased 30% off. It's uh, only $349 if you get it before it comes out on the 22nd. And it says, go up the ancient clock tower to make the frozen time move. Next chapter in the pocket-sized RPG series. Obviously, some of the, uh, whatchamacallit, description is a little bit, you know, it seems like a little bit difficulty with translations and things. But we'll just kind of give that a pass over as we kind of read some about it. One day, the time has stopped across the world. Invited by a girl seeking help in the dream, you will be heading to, sorry, heading for the Curran town. Solve the mysteries of the clock tower, which marked the first passage of time in history, and retrieve the time. <laughs> okay, I don't know what's going on with these sentences, guys. But it does look like a pretty cool, interesting RPG kind of thing, and it looks like semi-bite-sized. You kind of travel around with your party. It's kind of that older style of RPG where your characters follow you as you walk around. And then I believe there are kind of normal, classical-looking battles and stuff. The art looks pretty... Yeah, I'll just say it like that. I was going to say it looks pretty pretty, but that's a, yeah, it's hard to say it like that. The art looks nice, and I think the characters, I think it looks almost like a semi-pixel art kind of thing. 
So I think it's an interesting looking RPG to check out. And for this kind of price point, it seems pretty reasonable as well. So I'm going I'm to check that one out probably later on. Then we have one called Mr. Blaster. And I think the only reason I looked at this one after kind of reading the description a little bit was because they liken it to games like uh, Worms, which as you guys may know, if, you, if you're familiar with the series, was a classic kind of game where you have a whole bunch of like zany weapons and things. And your whole point of the game is to either kind of get rid of these other worms by like draining their health or to knock them off of the map and whatnot. So these are kind of just fun like party games. This one's coming out on the 22nd as well for $1.99. And Mr. Blaster, new game inspired by classics like Worms, will bring the joy of shooting your opponent in the face to the whole new level. Oh boy, all these these translation guys. But um, it says this fast-paced casual game is set in the colorful cosmic environment with incredibly fun ragdoll physics and easy well-known mechanics with a twist. Join a space adventure and take aim at your enemy. Shoot with precision and dodge their attacks with random encounters like flying satellites or asteroids making things more interesting. So I think this looks like another fun party game kind of thing. The thing I do enjoy about the Switch, um, other than just the portability and like easy access and whatnot, is all the kind of cool, interesting party games that they get on there. I feel like you don't get quite as many of those on things like the PS4 and Xbox One and stuff. So it's nice that you kind of get to see some of these cool indie-looking things that pop up all of a sudden, and then they have great-looking price points, so you can actually try them out and not feel like you're you know, just blowing a lot of money all over the place. Um, the next one that I have here is called Invisigun Reloaded by Sombra Studio, coming out on the 22nd as well uh, for $19.99. So this one's a little bit larger, but it does seem like the game's a bit more polished in terms of uh, gameplay and party style. Uh, this is the ultimate stealth battle adventure where everyone's invisible. Risk versus reward guides your journey through the full-length single-player campaign and local online multiplayer. Oh, there's a single campaign. All right, vigilance is a key is at, or sorry is key as environmental tells such as footprints and other disturbances will point out careless cadets. A massive amount of loving lovingly made environments, maps, modes, and abilities, all obsessively balanced, combine for high replayability and deep path to mastery. So this one looks pretty cool. If you have a chance to check out the uh, trailer and stuff for Invisigun Reloaded, check it out because it looks like a lot of fun. The Obviously, as I kind of mentioned, all the characters are invisible. As you move around, if you touch certain things in the environment or move past certain areas, you do see like footprints of like where people are going and things. So it's kind of a balance of making sure that you're not spotted as well as you know, spotting other people so that you can be the victor in the game and whatnot. So looks pretty cool, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one. And the last one for this week that I'm going to actually highlight here is called Plunge. Uh, there's no trailer for it, which is unfortunate, but it's got a, I'll say, unique-looking art style. It's kind of a spooky-looking art style in a way. Um, Plunge is coming out on the 23rd for $7.99 from Spooky Buns Games, which I like the name of the studio. Um, it's time to take the plunge. Enter the adventure of Billy, the billionth prisoner, in this turn-based dungeon plunging adventure. And actually, part of the description is the same thing right there. But the new part here, rather than try to climb her way out, Billy realizes the only way to freedom is to escape further into the depths below. Dodge, dash, and defeat a wide, wide variety of guards, creatures, and otherworldly beings bent on preventing passage in this inciting, exciting turn-based dungeon plunger. So this is kind of a an interesting kind of thing. Usually, I I envision, you know, if you're in the, if you're in 
prisons or mines and things you have to work your way up this one's you're actually working your way down so i'm, I'm interested to see kind of how the story works in this thing but also i've been kind of as you guys may be aware i've been kind of on this you know like uh, strategy turn-based gameplay binge for quite a while now and this kind of looks like another similar kind of thing along with somewhat roguelike mechanics where you it looks like when you finish levels you get these different feats and things that kind of add on to your play style and your uh, different like character abilities so kind of kind of an interesting looking game i'll probably be the first to say that part of the art style looks a little bit cr like too creepy in a way where it's like I, you guys may have heard me say before that like when things are kind of gross looking i tend to like shy away from it this is like bordering that like that gray zone between like being too gross and being just like creepy looking so i might still play it and it's still a pretty cheap price point so we'll kind of we'll kind of see how things go there but if you guys want to take the plunge as well then check it out coming on the 23rd and that is actually all that we have this week for the weekly nintendo switch picks the next and last segment since i'm not going to do the um Sonic super fast minute because Michael's not here and that's his segment. So that just leaves us with segment four, which is the NIC, the indie quarter segment that we have going on here on the Bros and Consoles podcast. And this week, um, I was kind of thinking about which one I wanted to showcase. And obviously, since we have a bunch of games that are coming up soon, um, this one's going to be coming up actually next month. So very soon for this one. But that game that I'm referring to is called Gunvolt Chronicles Luminous Avenger X. Now, I originally thought that this was Luminous Avenger IX, you know, as in like the Roman numeral nine kind of thing. Um, but what, after watching the trailer a few times and stuff, I, I forgot almost, yeah, almost kind of recently forgot that the IX is pronounced X by the person in the trailer itself. Now, I don't know if that's intentional or non-intentional, but... I know in my mind, uh, Luminous Avenger Nine sounds cooler, but X uh, I think will probably have some kind of meaning within the story. I assume so. The game itself is by Inti Creates, and they've done a whole bunch of really fantastic um, 2D action platformers, um, such as and hopefully that's the correct kind of term that they envision their games as being um, used, like term-wise and stuff. But um, they created like the Gunvolt games. And I still have to go and play through those Gunvolt games on the Switch because I bought them a while ago as part of like a package thing, and I haven't gotten to play through them quite yet. Um, I got to meet, um, uh, I think it was uh, Keiji Inafune, um, a few years ago, I think at PAX West as well, and got him to sign um, some stuff for me as well as got like a, uh, what are those things, like a floppy disk for... I think it was one of the Gunvolt Chronicle, or well, not Chronicle, but one of the Gunvolt games, and have to go through and like play that eventually too. But I think it's because it's on Steam that I haven't been able to go through and play it because I just don't have the things set up on my computer to do that. But going back to this game, Gunvolt Chronicles, uh, Luminous Avenger X, the game itself uh, just looks beautiful. Uh, the kind of setting is in this kind of futuristic world where the uh, characters that you kind of play as, um, I think they're called adepts, I want to say, um, are they're basically they're, they're these characters that have these different kind of abilities and whatnot, right? And the regular humans in the world are kind of becoming more and more, um, I guess, like uh, extinct, I guess, in a way. Um, but regular characters, regular people are being kind of hunted by these, uh, 
I think they're called adepts. I think that's I think that's that's not something I'm imagining. Um, but they're kind of being hunted and whatnot. And so you are you are a person who has different abilities and stuff named uh, Copen, and you're also kind of known as the Luminous Avenger X. Now your character has the ability to what's it called? He kind of dashes into enemies, and when he does that, all of his shots that he fires just like. 100% accuracy go and hit the thing you're attacking. So if you're kind of familiar with kind of older like Mega Man games and stuff, right, where you fight against uh, people and gain different abilities, or even if you're familiar with like the Gunvolt games, as you kind of gain abilities as you go through and defeat bosses and stuff, um, the this game kind of looks similar-ish in terms of like 2D gameplay kind of thing, but it's got a more, much more fast-paced um, style. Uh, I think kind of similar to like the Gunvolt games as well, and I think that kind of newer like fast-paced style is much more like appealing to kind of like the, the I would say like the younger audiences and stuff. It kind of almost feels like an evolution of what kind of like the older Mega Man games were. I guess kind of like um, about in general, where it still seems like it's got that like um, seemingly. I wouldn't say like huge, but like decent level of kind of challenge in general, especially against like bosses and things. But um, while still kind of evolving all of that to make it a much more fast paced and exciting gameplay experience. Um, you get to see like several different kind of bosses in some of the, the trailers that they have um, available. And I think the the cool thing is just like to, to see all the different like transformations that these bosses go through, especially like when they first appear and you kind of see them change into their like adept form and whatnot. Um, and sorry if I'm getting these terminology kind of things like incorrect and whatnot, but the, the game itself looks very impressive. Um, I'm definitely excited about getting my hands on this game. Now the only question is, do I want it on the Switch or the PS4? Because I've always wanted like the Gunvolt games on the PS4, and that was mainly for like trophies and things. But now, like lately, I've been finding like I haven't I haven't played games for for trophies for at least like a few weeks now. And I'm just like, oh, I just kind of want to play these things everywhere. So it may be a better idea for me to even just get it on the Switch. Or maybe I'll just get it on both. I might just I might just do that because that's always a good option too. But very excited about um, Luminous Avenger X to, to kind of see how hopefully people like pick it up and uh, give it a try and whatnot. I'm not sure entirely what the price point is yet. I'll have to actually check to see if they have that kind of like published anywhere. Um, I do believe that you get some like special bonuses for pre-ordering the game. Um, I think it's like a character um, skin kind of thing for um, one of the main characters in there. Uh, I think her name is Kohaku. And um, in general, the game looks uh, very fun, very fast-paced. Um, but I think still, I wouldn't say it looks um, unapproachable for people who are kind of worried about that as well. I think it's something that you can pick up and kind of play through, and it seems like it gets um, easier to play as you kind of get the hang of the controls and the, the movements and everything like that. So hopefully we'll be seeing more about that in the in the coming month or so. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it already, but it comes to PS4, Switch, and PC on the 26th of September. I'm not sure if that's worldwide or if it's just in the West and stuff for that specific date. Um, but yeah, if you guys are interested, um, go ahead and check them out. I think they have, they probably have stuff on Twitter. I think I'm actually following them just to see um, updates as it kind of comes and stuff. So I'll have to check to see if they've kind of announced anything more recently and whatnot. But if you guys are interested as well, um, go ahead and check them out and, you know, check out the, the, art and the the game itself because i think that's probably some of my favorite things about um, into creates 
And I, I hope I said that already um, by Indie Creates, but I think that's some of my favorite things about their their games is like their art style. Like it, it's very obviously very like anime esque and whatnot, but it just kind of has this great pop, I guess you could say. It just kind of it looks crisp and fresh and like not only within the game, but like obviously within like cutscenes and things like that too. So I'm excited. If you couldn't tell, I'm excited about this Gunvolt Chronicles game. And I think you guys should be too, because it's got some good looking stuff and Indie Creates has always got some pretty tight gameplay. So be excited, guys. Please be excited. And that's all we've got for this week of the Bros and Consoles podcast. As always, um, thank you guys for listening. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to email us. You can email us at um, the address brosandconsoles at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at IndieRonin. Um, you can find Michael on Instagram. I think that's right, right? Instagram? Yeah. Um, at the world of Mike with periods in between each word. And yeah, other than that, we will have to see you guys next week. I believe um, if everything goes according to plan, should have both of us back for a regular episode again next week. And yeah, we'll just talk about all the games and things we've missed in the meantime. And until then, thanks for listening and peace out. <laughs>